Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. And then we'll be seated. Matthew chapter number 28. We believe here that the Bible is authoritative in our lives. It tells us the true account, not just a, a story, but the true account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is a revelation of Jesus Christ, a specific revelation. God wants you to know this and what we'll read this morning. And so Matthew chapter number 28, I'm sure if you do not have a Bible, someone will share with you. If you uh, look at them and smile at them, they'll share with you. Uh, you can find it on your, uh, on your device as well. I encourage you about that. And then inside of the worship guide that you received on the way in, there is a, uh, there's a message guide that will go along with the message today. And much of the Bible uh, verses that we'll be referencing today are found in there. Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that first day being Sunday, their Sabbath was Saturday, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher, the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the, keeper, the keepers did shake, you would have too, and became as dead men. They were kind of just frozen in time there. Verse number five, and the angel answered and said unto the woman, fear not ye. I love it when God shows up or sends an angel and then he says, don't be afraid, right? You know, like, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a pretty unusual experience here. Uh, so fear ye not. Why? For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Wouldn't you have loved to have been the messengers, those ladies, being able to, to go back and um, bring that news to the disciples? He is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And God wants us to know the same thing today. He is risen from the dead. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this true account and the other uh, verses of Scripture that reference your resurrection. There, it is the most unique event in all of human history. And we give you praise for that. Lord, we give you uh, a blessing today because we can gather together with one central thing in mind, that you are no longer in the tomb, but you are seated high above the heavens on the right hand of your Father, and Lord, you, we are waiting your coming, your soon return back to this earth to redeem us to yourself. Lord, we look forward to that day. And we are grateful that you're a risen Savior. Help us, Lord, meet the spiritual needs that are represented here today. 
And would you guide us through your word so that we might please you and that we might spend eternity with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. to say they just lost their dearest friend all that he said now he was dead so this was the way it would end the dreams they had dreamed were not what they seemed now he was dead and gone. The curtain, the chill, the hammer, the nail. How could a night be so long? Then came the turned into day the stone was rolled away hope rose with the dawn then came the morning shadows vanished before the sun Death had lost and life had won, for morning had come. The angel, the star, the kings from afar, the wedding, the water, the wine. Now it was done. They'd taken her son, wasted before his time. She knew it was true, she watched him die too, and she heard them call him just a man. Oh, but deep in her heart, she knew from the start, somehow her son would live again. Then came the morning, night turned into day. The stone was rolled away, hope rose with the dawn. Then came the morning, shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost and life had won. For morning had come, then came the morning, night turned into day, the stone was rolled away, hope rose 
close with the dawn. Then came the morning. Shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost and life had won. For morning had come. Morning had come. Indeed it did. Our children are dismissed, fourth grade and below, down to the children's service for them. And I'd like for them to come back up for the baptisms at the end. And so if we could do that, that would be awesome. They can just filter on in during the invitation, and that would be wonderful. Glad you brought your children to church today, and it was a blessing to hear them sing about my God is a righteous God, and uh, so what a blessing. All right, let's uh, find our Bibles and also find those notes, and I want you to turn to Revelation chapter number one, Revelation chapter number one, and I want to show you a verse of scripture as we jump into our message today. We believe, as I mentioned, that the word of God is absolutely true, and it is, it is binding upon our lives, so uh, my goal is not to share uh, uh, my opinion. My goal is to explain the Word of God to us today and to just announce its truth and, and to let you know that that truth that God wants you to have, He wants us also to respond to. And so I want to encourage you just to stay tender to the Lord today and allow Him to uh, guide you and allow Him to just uh, to guide you into the right decisions. Uh, there's decisions for us all to make. I mentioned a moment ago that we all have a spiritual need in our hearts today. There's some sort of spiritual need in our heart, and that we need uh, God to meet that. And he's going he's gonna to use his word to do that, but we have to respond to it. And so he wants us to be a hearer of the word and also a doer. Uh, he doesn't want us just to hear it and then go on and forget it and wait till next time we gather together. But he wants us to hear it and do it, and so we want to do that. So I want us to notice verse number 17 of Revelation chapter number 1, the final book of the Bible, the Revelation. It tells us what is to come, and Jesus certainly is coming back. He's not still in the grave. He is coming back. This, um, this book tells us much about that as well as the, the end times. But notice how in chapter number 1, uh, Jesus, Jesus reveals himself to John, the Apostle John, who was the human penman that wrote this down. And so he reveals himself to John, and notice in verse number 17, and when I, John, saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I don't know, uh, sometimes we get this idea that, you know, we're going to go give Jesus a high five in heaven, and there's a little bit of a cavalier attitude towards how we're going to approach Jesus, but I, I have a feeling we're going we're gonna to have the same response as John here, uh, here did utter just weakness before him uh he fell as dead i mean he he just crumpled to the ground and i i cannot imagine what it's going to be like to see jesus for the first time and so here's that's how john reacted and he laid his right hand upon me saying here it is again fear not i am the first and the last i am he that liveth and say those next three words with me, and was dead, and behold, say the next three words, I am alive forevermore, forevermore, amen. What does amen mean? What do we mean when we say amen? So be it, so be it, we agree, all right? So if you say amen today, you're saying, I agree. And so Jesus said, so be it, I am alive evermore, so be it, and have the keys of hell and death. What's he saying? I have all authority. What was Jesus saying? 
I have conquered sin, I have conquered death, I have conquered hell, and I've done this for you. Today, I want to bring us a message entitled, Our Risen Conqueror Provides. He provides what? Well, many things, but he provides gifts to us. He provides the gift of salvation to us, and I want to announce that to us today. It's so important that we would understand that no matter where you are in your uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, it is very important that we would understand that today from him. Now, as we think about the resurrection, uh, it is a past event, and it was a bodily resurrection. Jesus is not still in the grave. The, uh, the reason this, uh, this cross is empty today, and we have it here, we want to be reminded of the cross, but he is not there at the cross and even the idea of, a, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll carry around a, a, a picture or maybe a, a, a jewelry that has him still at the cross. He is not at the cross. Uh, the grave is indeed empty, and it was a bodily resurrection. If you remember back in John chapter 20 and verse number 27, the Bible tells us that Jesus told Thomas, when he went up in the upper room, he told him, said, uh, I know you're doubting, Thomas, but I want you to reach forth your your finger, and behold my hands. I want you to touch my hands. And, I, and he also said, I want you to touch my side. He's inviting them to touch his wounds because he, he's like, I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. And Jesus says, hey, I'm here, and look, I'm real. You can touch me. I am, I'm real. It was a bodily resurrection. Jesus did not swoon at the cross. He did not just go out and you know, pass out at the cross. He died. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He was buried for three days and three nights, and on the third day, Sunday, the first day of the week, that's why we celebrate and gather on Sundays as Christians, as Christ followers, he rose from the dead bodily. Now, you say, well, I wasn't back there, so I don't know. Well, the Bible is very careful about that, and if you'll notice in your guide today, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus had said that this was going to happen. It happened just as he said. You can't tell what's going to happen tomorrow, but Jesus was able to announce, and prophets announced way ahead of time, that he would rise from the dead. Verse number five, five and I want you to notice every time the word seen is noted here in the Bible, and he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. 500 brethren at once. Now, consider that. In a court of law, even in that day, it, it required two witnesses for a, a verdict for a sentence to be handed down. So legally, there was two witnesses that, were, that were, were needed. Understand that there were 500 witnesses at one time that saw the resurrected uh, Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible wants us to know that. Of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep. Some have died. Uh, Corinthians being written around 60, uh, 64 AD, which would have been about 30 years after the resurrection. So Paul's saying, listen, I've seen these people. I've talked with these people. The Holy Spirit's giving me this information, but uh, I've talked with these people that saw Jesus resurrected. And then he goes on, after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and then verse number eight, Paul says this, the human penman for this, he says this, and last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. On the road to Damascus, we'll mention this in a moment, on the road to Damascus, Paul sees the resurrected Christ. 
and now he is a, he is a witness. The apostle was a witness of Jesus' life, of his whole life. And they, they must, in order to be an apostle, one, according to Acts chapter 1, one must have seen the resurrected Christ. It was one that was called. It wasn't that those 500 were, were all apostles. It was one that was called specifically and had seen the resurrected Christ. And Paul had seen him. So all these people had witnessed a bodily risen savior and that's important for us to realize today we're not gathered here uh, together celebrating some myth we're we're gathered together celebrating yes a historical event but an unparalleled event It, it happened nowhere else in human history and my question to us today is what does the resurrection what does the resurrection of jesus christ have to do with your life as you go into this week tomorrow like what difference does it make we ate breakfast. Uh, we, many got dressed up, and uh, we come to church, and you might have a, an egg hunt, or you might, you might have a family gathering. What difference does the resurrection make in your life? What does the resurrection really provide you? Because sometimes we can walk in and out of church, and we can walk away saying, well, you know, that was nice and everything, but it doesn't really mean anything for me. What does the resurrection, what does the resurrection mean for your life? Why is it important that you've given up this time and you're sitting here listening to this preacher and many of you I know, but many of you I don't know and you've given your time. What difference does the resurrection make in your life? What does it provide for you? What difference is it going to make in your life on this, on this week when life starts getting hard? What difference does it make? I want us to realize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ confirms his triumph. We talk a lot about the cross. But friends, Three days later, he rose from the dead. If this was all, that, if this was all, we don't have much to celebrate at all. He died just like every other person. But he rose from the dead, and the resurrection confirms Christ's triumph, what over sin, over death, and over hell, and it proves to you and I, it provides to you and I that we too can have triumph over every sin, over every obstacle that would stand in our way of obeying the will and word of Jesus Christ and living a life that is pleasing and accepted of God. Now, I want us to realize, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It was because of his victory, because of his triumph, because of his conquering that we too can be conquerors, that we can triumph, and that we can have victory over the sin that we face in our life. So does this mean I can have victory over over the habits in my life that are displeasing to God, that are contrary to his word, that break the Ten Commandments? Yes. Does this mean that I could finally get past that addiction in my life? that I, just troubles me and I don't want anyone else to know about it, I try to hide and I just struggle with and I feel ashamed about? Yes. Does it mean that you can have victory over the past hurts in your life, whether they're hurts that have been inflicted on you um, um, just because of an interaction, someone's offended you, or whether someone has abused you? Does it mean you can get past those hurts in your life? Yes. Yes. Does it mean that you could finally let go of that offense and forgive a person? Yes, yes. Does it mean that you can finally get past the the constant self-condemnation? I'm just worthless. I'm no good to anybody. I'd be better dead. Yes. It means all that and so much more. You will never exhaust 
the meaning of the resurrection upon your life personally. Never. And friend, whatever your need is today, I am, I am enormously confident that the resurrected Christ can meet that need in its fullness and beyond your imagination. I believe that. Otherwise, I'd really find another line of work. Jesus is risen from the dead. And I'm so grateful for that. But I want to take this and really specifically apply the resurrected Christ and the, and the, the, the power, the triumph, the victory that he showed that day and wants to provide in our lives. I want to apply that to the matter of forgiveness, specifically our forgiveness from him and our forgiveness to other people. Okay, so I want you to track with me in that because let's make it really practical. Let's, let's try to walk out of here with one thing today on this matter of forgiveness. Now, he offers forgiveness, and again, if he had just died and, uh, and this was the end of his life, the forgiveness that he promises to you and I really is pretty meaningless because he just died like everyone else. He's just another man. He's just another ordinary man. In fact, because of all the claims, if he isn't God and he didn't rise from the dead, frankly, uh, his, his speeches were crazy. Uh, the, no one, no one, uh, no one could walk around and claim the things that he did. Uh, it, it either was true or he was crazy. So the forgiveness that he offers to you and me, I want us to grab a hold of and really just allow God to apply it into our own hearts. Notice, first of all, this, that, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ provides us the certainty of forgiveness, the certainty, the, the sureness, the confidence of forgiveness. 62% of American adults say that they need more forgiveness in their personal lives. So about six out of every ten people that you meet struggle with the concept of forgiveness in their own lives. Listen, Jesus is the answer to that. If you struggle on, on, on receiving forgiveness or giving forgiveness, Jesus is the answer to that. And I want us to realize that today, studies have shown that those who forgive tend to be more satisfied with their own lives, have less depression, have less anxiety, stress, anger, hostility in their lives. The fact is, many Americans, people in general, run around, walk around in their daily lives really struggling with this matter of forgiveness, and Jesus is the answer to that. And I want us to realize that his resurrection provides a certainty of forgiveness, first of all, from him. Without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness. We're yet in our sins. We're, we're doomed. Uh, forgiveness for each one of us is needed. Every single human that's ever lived on the face of this earth, ever will live and is living now, needs forgiveness. Um, a couple months ago, we, uh, we had a little struggle with uh, one of our, our daughters, and uh, she had done something that was, was deliberate, and she, um, she was pretty uh, you know how kids get? They get, um, they get very defensive of themselves, very self-righteous. I didn't do that, right? You know, they, they get very uh, self-righteous. Do you all have kids? Like, are your kids perfect? Okay, so, so she had done something, and, and she was really being stubborn, like extremely uh, stubborn. But what was interesting, uh, we, we try to teach our kids from an early age to learn how to get right with someone. So here's how we, how we teach them to say, I'm sorry for whatever they did wrong. I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, okay? Why don't we say that out loud together because that's good advice for all adults here too, all right? Yeah, all right? I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, right? And sometimes we adults have problems saying that too, don't we? How many of you have met with that? It's hard to say sometimes, I was wrong. It takes a lot of humility. Well, on this particular occasion, she was not about to say, 
please forgive me. She would say everything, but I'm sorry, I was wrong, but she would not say, please forgive me. And we're talking nine days she held us out on this matter. Nine days. She, she surpassed my firstborn, who held us out uh, for five days on a, on a certain little matter. Um, but she was nine days long, and she'd say everything but please forgive me. Here's how it would go. We'd say, please, uh, say, please forgive me. And she'd look at us and say, please forgive daddy. <laughs> please forgive me. And she was down here on a Wednesday night. She looks up at mommy. Please forgive mommy. And she would say everything else but please forgive me. And the day that she finally just gave up and said, well, actually, I should just say how, 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 uh, how set in she was. We were leaving Sunday church, and I was, I was still reminding her, hey, you need to get this matter taken care of, right? And she, uh, she looks at me as I was putting her in her car seat, and she goes, I will win. <laughs> and I said, you will not. <laughs> All right. So we can see that really well in little kids. She's two. Pray for us. <laughs> Pray for the children's workers. No, she, uh, she, came, she came to realize it was beautiful when she finally just admitted her own wrong before us and before God ultimately and just said, you know what, please forgive me. And then she gives a hug. And it was, it was very sweet. And she's been different since. But understand in order to ask for forgiveness, we have to admit first that we have a need for forgiveness. You know, there's a lot of humans, it doesn't matter what age, 20, 30, 40, 50, we're real successful in life and we don't, nope, I'm not admitting, not for a moment, I'm not admitting my own need. And so there, we have to admit that we need the forgiveness, the forgiveness is needed, why? Because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. That means you and I. We're not righteous. We are sinful before a holy, holy God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. Guys, you do target practicing. You go uh, shooting. I, I got to be down in Texas. I went to the Texas gun experience. Shot my first big rifle down there. It was, it was pretty awesome. And you know what? I, I was more uh, concerned about shooting the gun than, uh, than you know, making sure that I, I, I hit the target. I tried to aim or whatever. But uh, it, there were some pretty cool guns that I got to shoot. But you know when I did not hit the target? I missed the mark. That's the idea here. I missed the, I missed the mark. And there were some that I got in the, in the right zone, all right? So I, wasn't, I, I didn't totally bomb it. But I'm just saying, we understand it in that context, guys. And, and, and I, I'm struggling for an illustration for the ladies. But you know what I'm talking about, all right? right? You, hit, you, you hit the mark. God says, hey, we've all sinned. All humanity has sinned. You're born as sinners, and you have missed the mark. The mark is perfection, absolute perfection before a holy God. And frankly, if that's the case, none of us are uh, destined for a home in heaven because we've all missed the mark and we all are in a need of forgiveness. The Bible says because we've missed the mark, because we have fallen short, the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. It's separation from God in a place called hell. The Bible says in Revelation 21, uh, 20 and verse 14, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, which is the second death, eternal separation from God. I don't like the sound of that. I don't want that for anyone here. You don't want that. Eternal separation from God. You don't want that. But that is what our sin requires, and yes, forgiveness is needed. And so what that leads me to understand is there are two categories of people here today. There are two categories of people in the world. Our, our society wants to divide everyone down. Have you noticed that? We are dividing, we are slicing thinner and thinner uh, divisions in society. 
our nationalities. Uh, uh, we're now dividing all over all sorts of genders. By the way, there are two genders. What, uh, what is it? Male and female. Say that one more time. Male and female. I know that's unpopular in our society, but there's male and female. There's two. All right, there's two categories in our and in, in before God when it comes to us here on earth as human beings. There is forgiven and there's unforgiven. You fall in one of two. You do not fall in, I'm almost there or I'm almost good enough. You're either forgiven or you're unforgiven. My question is, which one are you? Now, God's goal is that everyone here would, would be able to say with confidence, I am forgiven. And that's not because you're something special. That's because God is amazing. So sometimes people say, well, I couldn't boast of that. No, God is offering it to you if you have it. You're now able to say, I'm forgiven, not because of me, but because of him. So there's two categories here today. Which one are you? So forgiveness is needed. I need to be forgiven. I was forgiven on November 13th, 1996, as a 12-year-old young man. That's when I came to Jesus and requested his forgiveness. And he forgave me. Doesn't make me better than anyone else. Just makes me a forgiven sinner. Not, not an uh, unforgiven sinner anymore. I'm a forgiven sinner, and I thank God for that. But forgiveness, I want us to realize, also was purchased. And where did this forgiveness come from? Jesus was the one that purchased it, Ephesians 1 and verse number 7, and whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. The way that your forgiveness was purchased and is now available to you is through the cross of Jesus Christ and also through the resurrection, through him carrying his work all the way through to where he is living and now offers you forgiveness of your sin. The Bible says when Jesus was on the cross, he said this in John 19, 30, it is finished. It is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. They did not kill him. He gave up the ghost. He laid down his life willingly for you. The word it is finished is one word in the original language and, and, and it simply means this, Paid in full. Many merchants in that day would use that word to, uh, to stamp on bills or to declare to somebody, your bill is paid in full. And Jesus that day on the cross, as he died and had just carried for three hours all the sins of all mankind upon his shoulders, he declared with a loud voice before he died, it is paid in full. It is paid in full. The, the, the wrath of God has been poured out against all Mankind's sin upon my shoulders, and it is paid in full. And what I want us to realize is that was verified, that was vindicated, that was made reality when he rose from the dead. He paid it at the cross, but he, 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 he confirms it when he rises again. Because if he had not risen again, just let us understand this, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. What's the word vain? Empty. Your faith is empty. Well, God is saying, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, you are wasting your time here. Can I underscore that? Go get dinner. Like, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, get up and go. I mean, that's what God is saying there. And he goes on to say a little bit further, and ye are yet in your sins. So without the resurrection, we have no confirmation that what Jesus said at the cross and declared at the cross, that your sins are forgiven, I purchased your forgiveness. Without the resurrection, we have no proof. We have no vindication or validation of that declaration at the cross. 
Wallace said it this way, that the resurrection is the receipt that God gave humanity that Jesus' death did indeed pay the full price of our sin. Yes, he paid it. And it's paid in full. We sing this song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson saying, he washed it white as snow. It was confirmed and, and validated through his resurrection. Every other tomb that you might visit or people might visit in the world today of religious leaders, they go there and visit those tombs because of who is in the tomb. But they go to Jerusalem and go to the garden tomb because the tomb is empty. That's why it's famous. Right on the door, they put the placard that says, uh, he is risen, he is risen indeed. And I just want us to realize that Jesus is risen from the dead. And by his resurrection, he proved that your forgiveness is indeed purchased. Jesus purchased the forgiveness for all sinful man. Everyone. It's not limited to a certain few. You all with me this morning? Aren't you thankful? Now, there are some that would teach and take the Bible and they would, they would rest it and they would, they would say that it's only for a select few. Aren't you thankful that the, um, the, the forgiveness that Jesus offers at the cross is available to all mankind? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, Titus 2 and verse number 11, hath appeared to all men, all men, whosoever will may come. So this forgiveness was purchased, but I want us to notice also this forgiveness must be received. You must do something. Now's the time. I've heard the truth. I've heard what, what Jesus has done for me. Now's the time to receive the truth, receive the forgiveness. Paul, uh, as he was on the road to Damascus, he saw Jesus Christ as the risen Lord. He presented himself to Paul in, in heaven. So he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He places his faith upon, uh, upon Jesus Christ and he goes forth as a witness of Jesus Christ. He calls himself an apostle born out of due time. He wasn't with the rest of the apostles. In fact, he persecuted them. He persecuted them. But later on in, uh, in Acts chapter number 26, when Paul uh, was recounting the story of what happened there and Jesus' specific calling upon his life to be an apostle and be an apostle to the Gentiles, he relays that Jesus gave him some specific instructions. I realize on Jesus saying, I, I, you've, you've afflicted my people. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You've afflicted my people. He was going to Damascus to kill them, drag them out, put them in jail, women and children. He didn't care. Uh, sounds like some things going on in the world today towards Christianity. And so he was doing this, and Jesus got a hold of him. By the way, Jesus can get a hold of any persecutor. There is no one beyond the reach. If, 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 if God could get a hold of Paul, he can get a hold of any person, including uh, the worst in the world from our perspective that are causing havoc all over. Persecutors, uh, leaders of countries, that are killing innocent people. He, he has the power to get a hold. And so he, he, has, he has changed in that moment, but God gives him something specific. Acts 26 and verse 18. He says, I'm, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Apart, every unforgiven person is, the Bible makes us makes it clear, every person that's in the category of unforgiven is on the side of Satan or is, is following with Satan, is a child of the devil. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, a nasty way. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. We're, we're on Satan's side, not God's side. So God's heart was, Paul, go to the Gentiles. I want you to help them uh, go from Satan's side to my side, have this change in their life. And then he says that they, 
here it is, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins. That they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. Not by works, by faith that is in me. And so he says, Paul, I'm sending you to preach a message to people that they might receive the forgiveness of their sins. And God is still doing that today. He calls preachers and he's given us his word and we hear it in in sermons and and podcasts and we read it in in, in different places. And, and, And the fact is God is still today announcing to the world and to sinful mankind, to unforgiven mankind, I want you to receive the forgiveness of sins. It must be received. Romans 10 and verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus that, uh, uh, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, yes, he died at the cross, but God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. I hope there's been a day where that's become true for you. That's become your reality. Saved, to be delivered, to be rescued from your sin. There was an old evangelist that was approached by a man named Alexander This young man was kind of flippant as he approached the evangelist, and he he said, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? The evangelist just looked at him calmly and said, it's too late. It's too late. And went on with with his work. The young man became a little bit alarmed. He says, what do you mean it's too late? What do you mean it's too late for me to be saved? Is there nothing that I can do? He said, it's too late. It's too late. It's already been done. The only thing you can do is believe. The only thing you can do is believe, and that's still true today. You can't do one thing to merit, to gain the favor of God in order to be forgiven. You simply must receive the forgiveness. It's by faith. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, help me, shall be saved. That's how we receive the forgiveness of sins. Have you received the forgiveness of your sins from Jesus Christ by faith? He died and he rose again, proving he can offer you forgiveness. That's certain. That's not a debatable fact. It's certain he's offering that. Have you received it personally? Have you received that? I hope that you will today before you leave. I hope that even in your heart right now, your heart is, yes, I need that. I receive that. I believe he died. I believe he died for my sins. I receive what he did for me in my place. I believe in Jesus Christ alone. Not my works, not my past, not my family, not my uh, economic status, not my successes, not my achievements, not following the golden rule. I believe in Jesus Christ alone. I receive what he did for me at the cross. I can do nothing to gain eternal life and to gain forgiveness I believe it's Jesus Christ alone. I hope that that's your heart today. I hope you will believe that in your heart on this day, this Easter. But would you notice with me, we talked about this forgiveness that that the resurrection gives us certainty about. It provides us that certainty in receiving forgiveness from Jesus. But how does that relate? I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome to know that you're forgiven. How many of you just say, man, that's, that's great. To know you're forgiven is a really wonderful thing. How does that, that relate to the rest of the week and to your interactions with other people? Because remember, I, I talked about 62% of Americans say, I personally need more forgiveness. I, I, I need to be more forgiving in my life. So a lot of people, 
Uh, even, even people that have received forgiveness from Jesus Christ, which is the, 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 most, the single most important thing you can make sure that you have in all the world. Because without that forgiveness, you and I are destined to a place called hell. We don't want that. We want his forgiveness. So that's the single most important. But do you know what? A person that's forgiven, their life ought to be different. Are you with me? Are you with me? Life ought to be different. Don't you agree that Christians should have a different life? If we, if we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to be forgiven, it ought to, it ought to ha- have an impact, a change in our lives, right? So can I know, uh, help you to, to realize that the resurrection just doesn't provide certainty of your forgiveness from Jesus Christ? It provides you the capacity to forgive others. The capacity to forgive others. Let's notice this for a few moments together. You know, forgiveness because of the resurrection can be can be given to others i don't know who it is in your life that you need to forgive but if you're saved here today if you've been rescued by jesus christ you can forgive them what do i mean by that you have the ability you have the ability through jesus christ to forgive you have the ability uh the bible helps us to realize colossians 3 and verse number uh, 12 put ye on therefore as the elect of god holy and beloved bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And then it says this, forbearing one another, being patient with one another, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Now, let's just stop there. If any man have a quarrel against any. Is there anyone here that would say, you know what, I've had in my lifetime, and I'm talking specifically today or yesterday, I've had, I've had offenses or, or problems with other people. Y'all there, Right? At some point or another, there's been an offense towards me or I've offended someone. So God is saying to us, if any man have a quarrel, if any woman, any child have a quarrel, all right, any, anyone have a, a problem, well, what should we do? What should saved or forgiven people do? Well, the Bible says here, the last words of that verse, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Friends, today, on this Easter Sunday, we can be assured because of the resurrection that he is forgiven, that he provides his forgiveness, we can receive it, but as well, that we can walk out and forgive any other person in our life. Well, you don't know. You do not know my situation. Do you realize that Jesus forgave you and offers forgiveness of all of your sins, all of your sins, and no matter how bad the sin that was done against you, the offense, no matter how bad it is, it's only one in comparison to all of your sins. Do we understand that? It's, it's, it's not, you might have someone that's really offended you, but it, it, it's not all of their sins are not against you. They have sins that are against many other people, but God's forgiven you of all of your sins against him, and he now asks you to go and forgive that person of that, that particular uh, sin. So uh, sometimes you hear this when people um, talk about forgiveness or asking forgiveness. They might say something like this. If you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Have you ever heard that before? If you can find it, have you ever said that before maybe? If you can find it in your heart to forgive me, would you forgive me? If you can find it in your heart. Do you realize that none of us have naturally in our hearts the ability to forgive apart from Jesus Christ? I do not know forgiveness until I've received forgiveness, his forgiveness. 
Now, we can talk about forgiveness, and I'm not diminishing people talking about forgiveness uh, 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 um, just in, in natural life, but when I, once I know true forgiveness and that true forgiveness being Christ's forgiveness, I can give that forgiveness. I have the ability now by his power to give it. And uh, some people will say even in this day, well, some people are just naturally more forgiving. You know, they just, they, they have more of a temperament, a personality to forgive. Friends, don't buy that. Forgiveness towards others comes from the forgiveness I've received from Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've already received that forgiveness, can I urge you on this Easter Sunday to, um, to forgive anyone who has wronged you? You say, well, what does that mean? They've wronged me, and I don't, I mean, there's still some open things. I do want to just say, and my point is not to preach this message, but I do want to say there is a difference between having a heart of forgiveness and reconciliation. Do you understand what I mean? Having a heart of forgiveness, forgiveness is releasing the problem to God for God to deal with it. Do you know God can do a whole lot better job with that person than you can? So I'm not saying you forgive them and then you, you uh, go, out and go out to lunch with them. You know, sometimes that's really not a good idea. It, it's an abuser or someone that has done something legally wrong or done something uh, very wrong and, and violated, and, and, and there isn't reconciliation there. But you can have the heart of forgiveness, which is, God, I'm releasing this to you for you to deal with this problem. No longer am I holding myself as the judge over them. I'm allowing you to be the judge of their life. You all with me on that? So that means every single one of us, every single one of us can grant forgiveness to somebody in our heart. Matthew 18 tells us about this. From our heart, have a heart of forgiveness and then allow God to do the reconciliation. Our heart is, we want reconciliation. We want, we want God to do something amazing in the life and bring that back together. But because of what Christ did for us, I can offer in my heart to anyone forgiveness. I can release that to God. So that is now my ability through Jesus Christ. I have the power. I couldn't do that ahead of, uh, ahead of being forgiven by him. We live in a pretty lawsuit-hungry day. My wife was in uh, an accident, a rear-end accident, not too many weeks ago. And it was very interesting to me that on one particular day, I, it, like, it just seemed like everyone got my phone number and everyone got my address on one day. Have you experienced that before? And uh, I literally, I had them coming in on top of each other. And I was like, how did you get the number? Well, anyway, they make the accident report public. And so everyone is just like a, like a, 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 a what is it, a crowd of, of piranha. That's not the right word. Um, whatever, that, the group of piranha, they're like jumping in. Like, how can we get, uh, get a part of this whole, whole deal? And uh, I, I drove home, and my mailbox had a lot of, I mean, costly packages in them offering me lawyer services to sue and to, you know, get in this. And I, I got out my pen. You don't have to do this, but I, I just put return to sender, return to sender, return to sender, put them back in the mailbox, all right? I don't need it, um, but here's the thing. It just, it just underscores the fact that right in our society, we are lawsuit hungry. We're looking, we're looking for an opportunity to get a piece. You know what that's an indicator of? Our society is full of unforgiven people, people that don't know how to forgive. I'm not saying that uh, uh, dealing with a lawyer in an accident is bad. I'm not, not saying that, but we are, we're hungry for an extra piece. We want more, want more. And friends, just understand, we can't give forgiveness until we have received forgiveness. And we have this ability through Christ. One last thought here. Uh, not only can we forgive, we must forgive. 
whoever that person is that is eating away at your thoughts before you go to bed at night because they've hurt you and they've wronged you, you must forgive them. You first need to be forgiven by Christ. We, we understand that. I don't want us to miss that. I'm not telling you to go try to, oh, I'm just going to try harder. I'll try to be a forgiving person. No, make sure. Have you been forgiven by Christ? And if you have, you have the ability. Now you, you have the responsibility to go and forgive that person, to, to declare in your heart they are forgiven, to release them, to stop blaming them and taking offense on their offense into your, your account. Let it go to God. Give it over to him. I want us to watch a video here in a second that I think really sums this up because here's a man that was an incredible, uh, difficult situation, a family that was an incredible uh, situation where they had been wronged and it had hurt their family deeply and irreparably. But yet this man stood on a witness stand and declared this, and I want you to watch it, and I think you'll catch the, the gist of the video. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes.
He lost his brother in a uh, to murder, and there in that that witness stand, he forgives from the heart, regardless of what his family did. But I make a case to you: the only reason he could say those words that day is because he had already received forgiveness from Jesus Christ. He knew what true forgiveness looked like, and he wanted that for someone else. I don't know who. No matter all the details of the this, this story, that's a powerful scene. And it has bearing on our lives today. It illustrates perfectly, listen, if you've received forgiveness, you must forgive. You must forgive. And friends, it was also depicted for us at the cross when Jesus said this, right after he said it is finished, the very, the very uh, last words or, before, or the last words that he said there he says in Luke 23, in verse number 34, Father, do you remember this? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Had they asked for it? No, he forgave from the heart. Reconciliation would happen as they came and said, we need him, we accept this. But from the heart, Jesus declared a prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here's what happens in our life. When we hold on to the unforgiveness and we hold on to those, um, that resentment, we drink in uh, what is a poison. People have called bitterness the poison that you drink and expect and wait for the other person to die. Now realizing that you are the one being poisoned by the unforgiveness. If you've received forgiveness from Jesus Christ, I hope that you have. Please today, I I'm begging you, based on the authority of God's word, go and do what Jesus Christ has done for you. Forgive. Your life will be changed by that. So I don't know where you are today, whether your first need is, uh, yes, pastor, I need to receive the forgiveness from Jesus Christ. Please do that. Please, even now, would you recognize, would you believe in your heart, yes, I need Jesus Christ. I need to receive him. The believer, forgiven one, would you go give the same forgiveness to someone else that Jesus gave to you? Would you do that? And I believe that would honor our Lord on this Easter Sunday. Would you stand with me in a matter of prayer? Give us an opportunity to respond here in a moment. Some are getting ready for baptism this morning. If you need to let them out, please do so. Father, would you guide in this invitation time? Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to be very, very attuned to what you're doing in our lives. And I pray for each person here that, that needs to receive your forgiveness today. I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would do that, that they by faith would call out to you and receive you by faith. I pray for the, the forgiven ones, that they would, by your power in their lives, forgive from the heart those that have hurt and offended them. Lord, would for, forgiveness from you and toward others flow freely in this place today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And I want you to be seated with your eyes, uh, uh, your heads bowed and just a matter of prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come forward right now. How many would say today, Pastor Kagan, I've heard the message, I've heard the verses, and I realize today, afresh 
anew, I've just realized this today, that I have not been forgiven of my sin. I have not been forgiven of my sin. I do not know, I do not have that certainty that all of my sins are forgiven by Jesus Christ. I do not have that certainty, but I, I want to. Anyone like that here today with no one looking around? Anyone like that today say, I, I want that forgiveness. And you'd raise your hand to that. No one looking around but me, but I'd like to, to see that today. I, I want that forgiveness. Would you just raise your hand and put it back down? I'll not point you out. I want that forgiveness. I do not have that forgiveness, but I want it. Those that in your heart, you might be saying, boy, I, I, I do want that forgiveness. I want God to, to forgive me of all my sin. I desire that on this day. The Bible says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God's people said, amen. Amen. You know, it's calling on the name of the Lord is simply a, a prayer. If you were drowning, you'd call out to the lifeguard. I need help. I need help. Would you call in the name of the Lord and ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins? I cannot save you. I can't pray a prayer that would save you. But I certainly would like to lead you in a prayer that you could pray from your heart, saying, I, I want to be forgiven. Would you pray a prayer like this from your heart to Jesus Christ? Dear Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are God. I believe that you died for all of my sins and rose again. I confess to you that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and to be my Savior right now. I place 100% of my trust in you to come into my life and to give me eternal life and to take me to heaven someday. I accept your free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Thank you for keeping your promise made in your word and answering this prayer. With your head still bowed, is there anyone here today that say, I did ask Jesus to forgive me all, all my sins. I accepted him as my personal Savior, and I'd like to testify that with an upraised hand. Anyone like that today? Amen. 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 Anyone else? How many of you would say, this morning, Pastor, I've heard the message, I can go back to a day when Jesus forgave me of all my sin, but there are some people I need to forgive. Would you be willing just to admit that to God most of all? And say, Pastor, that's me, that's how God touched my heart today, and I want to do what God has just told me to do. I want to forgive that person. And you'd uh, raise your hand to that and say, that's how God worked in my heart. Amen. Amen. Many. Anyone else? Can I just underscore once again? There is a division between forgiveness and reconciliation. Your job is the forgiveness. Release it to God. Let God do his job. 
and bringing about reconciliation. You have a heart for reconciliation, but you allow God to do the work in their hearts. Father, I want to thank you for those that testify of receiving you as their personal Savior, and I pray that you'd help them to walk with you. I pray that you'd clarify and help them to understand and help them to walk with you in this this journey, uh, uh, the Christian journey. Lord, I pray for those that need to give forgiveness. you've, You've spoken to many hearts this morning. We give you praise for that. Anytime you work in our hearts, we just give you praise for that. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage, the the strength, even in the heart right now, to declare, I forgive them. I release them to God. And I pray that you would give them the opportunity uh, in time to declare that to the person and to make, uh, make reconciliation as you would allow and open up the doors. And so we pray for everyone. Who, Lord, you're, you've stirred hearts. I, I pray for each person that you would enable them to go forward and have a forgiving heart towards others, having received your forgiveness first. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is such an important matter. I believe that many people are plagued with this matter of forgiveness, but I hope you see very clearly today that Jesus Christ and what he did for us at the cross proves you can be forgiven and you can forgive others.